Hey, hey, welcome back to the Exploration Local Podcast. I'm so thrilled you're on this journey with us. We have a special episode in store for you today as we look back into 2020 and we bring you a recap of our top five most listened to episodes from this past year. This episode will also mark the end of season one and our very last episode of 2020. But don't worry, we'll be back in mid-January to kick off season two. But for now, let's get to the top five countdown. You're listening to Exploration Local, a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Southern Appalachian Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. Join us on our journey to explore these mountains and discover how they fuel a spirit of adventure. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. Congratulations to all of our podcast guests who made it to the top five. We'll discuss them in the order they were released, and we'll play a few clips and highlights to give you a taste for each episode. If you haven't listened to these episodes yet, I highly encourage you to check them out. Okay, first up, episode number two, Headwaters Outfitters with Jessica Whitmire. This was a really fun interview for me getting to know Jessica. She is the executive director of Headwaters Outfitters, and she's been in that role for about six years but she really grew up around the Outfitters because it was a family business that was started by her mom and dad when she was very, very young. We had always been a river family. I think they, I have pictures of my mom and I in a canoe and I was three weeks old. So, I mean, I grew up on the river. Headwaters Outfitters has its roots and heritage in fly fishing and guiding in the streams and creeks in Western North Carolina. Under Jessica's direction and leadership, Headwaters Outfitters has established itself as not only a premier fly fishing service and outfitter, but also a premier retailer, ensuring that anglers have everything they need in one place. Additionally, Jessica's dad still runs the paddle sports program, and the tap room has become a welcome and popular addition to the entire river experience. We have over 60 boats now, and the building and the tap room, so it, it has been a really fun process. It's not that it's not had its difficulties because all family businesses do, but it has been really cool to watch this um, business grow and develop and change. As I mentioned, the heritage and roots for Headwaters runs deep, but their link to the past is strongly based in the richness of the River Valley. So, I mean, the history of the French Broad is, you know, it's the third oldest river in the world. Um, so this community and this these towns and this area has been built up around this river. And that goes back to the Cherokee Indians. I mean, the, the Cherokee Indians um, had camps, they had settlements, they had hunting camps here, all based on the richness of this river valley. Headwaters Outfitters welcomes anglers from all over the world for the diversity and remoteness of the world-class fishing this area provides. And it's precisely that reason that Jessica feels right at home on the rivers that she grew up on. And now that same legacy is being developed and handed down to her own family. So for me, I love the diversity of it. There's many reasons why we are a great hub, like hub and this is a great spot for fly fishing. But for me, I think the diversity of it is what makes it really special. Um, you can be trout fishing in the morning. You can catch muskie at lunch. You can go bass fishing before dinner. Um, there's mm. just so many different species that you can catch on a fly rod within 
20 minutes of our shop or my front door. Um, and you can catch, you know, you can really get on these high elevation trout streams and catch native brook trout. Um, you can drop down to the delayed harvest section and catch, um, you know, the stocked rainbows and brown trout and the stocked brook trout. Um, you can, you know, get on the Davidson and, and catch wild browns, um, you know, and big wild browns, which it's kind of known for. Um, you can hop mm. on the French broad and catch muskie, um, big muskie. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. And congratulations on Headwaters Outfitters being in the top five most listened to podcast in 2020. Next up, episode number nine, how the outdoors helped an immigrant student live his best life with Yashdeep Kumar. Imagine yourself as an immigrant student moving to a new country where you literally do not know another soul prior to arriving in that new country. You have limited information about your new foreign home other than what you read in National Geographic. Social media was non-existent, and it was a day and time when pagers and beepers were more prevalent than cell phones. That's exactly where Yashdeep Kumar found himself. You know, I was a grad student, uh, and you know, you arrive in August, first time to the United States, no idea, right? And it's not the time of the internet or where you could be aware. You know, all uh, before I left India, all I had a picture of was a, of Memphis was a National Geographic. Mm. That's all I would go read it, you know, 10 times a day. <laughs> uh, and then you come here, you have no clue on how the world works. But what this did uh, was immediately make connections. And then, then I realized the power of being in, you know, in an activity and an outdoors activity where it's, it's neutral, you know. Yes. And uh, you, it's neutral. The, the skills are just your confidence and the ability to have fun. Uh, unlike any other sport where, you know, you may have done a lot of lifetime building skills. Here, uh, all you were asking was for an attitude. And if people showed up with the right attitude to have fun, you, <laughs> you ensured that they, everybody came back happy and probably friends for life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, look at yeah, us. 25 were, years later, right? Yashdeep, we're still friends. 25 years later, yep. man. Um, it was really a special time. When I think back at my, I'm jumping around a bit, but when I jump, when I think back to my, my professional career, if you will, mm -hmm. um, the University of Tennessee Memphis are some of my absolute most profound and, and deepest memories. And it was because of people like you and it was because of what we did. And, and I, you know, I was fresh out of graduate school, so I know that that, you know, had a lot to do with it and you're mm -hmm. idealistic and have a lot of energy, but Right. But the students just made it what it was. And now, it was funny when you said that, um, as you being fresh out of graduate school, taking that as your role, about two, three years ago, my uh, guide or professor, who was my master's thesis guide uh, and ran the rehab center there, Dr. Mike Rosen, came and visited me. Hmm. He stayed with us over the weekend and, you know, we reminiscent and, and remember that. And he remembered. He remembered that I was doing a lot of outdoors activities there. So I would work in his lab and, uh, you know, Monday we would meet and I would talk about what I was doing. And if I look at and reflect back, I said, OK, he definitely made an impact on, uh, you know, my life um, as professionally. But personally, in terms of leadership skills and really, I would say, cultural acclimatization and 
being getting the confidence to do activities it was you it was the, it was right there it was the university of tennessee outdoor club <laughs> i had just started an outdoor program at the university of tennessee memphis health science center and yashdeep was one of the first students to participate in that program we started the program because of the high stress levels that professional health science students at this school endured day in and day out we believed that the ultimate release from the stress would be found in the woods and on the rivers and we believed in the program but what we didn't have a context for was the impact this would make on foreign students nature and outdoor adventures are the great neutralizers that transcends race ethnicity culture socioeconomic status you name it it's a great neutralizer so i remember you know being on those trips with you know professionals and professors and first year students and you know fourth year medical students that were taking a break from their rotation or er nurses mm-hmm. or doctors or or whatever you know it once we got out there it didn't matter it didn't matter your title it didn't matter your status it didn't matter your socioeconomic status it didn't matter whether right. you were you know it didn't matter your racial your your gender yeah. none of that stuff matters man we were just kind of out there just enjoying creation in nature with with the you know with great company it was, it, that's it you see you pretty much summarized it um, which, which was which was so unique about it there were many people who came you know for one trip and you know they were like well there's that i have not done it before but once they were in they were in for the next one and you know what actually happened started happening also this activity spawned many other small trips that were not necessarily by uh you know the university so you know two or three people would start getting together and, and going out and doing things and that was the magic of what we were doing there yashdeep was right it was truly magic i left ut memphis in 2000 and to this day those were some of the best days and memories of my life so far and as you just heard the friendships have continued some 20 years later And that brings us to our third of the top five episodes. Episode 13, Capturing the Beauty of the Limville Gorge and the North Carolina Highlands with Leslie Restivo. I will never forget that sunset. Um, The way it made me feel, the emotions that I felt, the colors, it was breathtaking. And that is the day that I started shooting landscapes. That was Leslie talking about the first time that she knew landscape photography would become her new passion and adventure of choice. The experience actually almost didn't happen. It was during a visit from a family friend who just wanted to see some of the local views. You see, Leslie grew up in Boone, and she's been running around the Limville Gorge area her entire life. But it was in that moment, watching a sunset from Wiseman's view, that she truly fell in love with where she lived for all that it offered. And there's 14 to 15 of us from all different places that come together and shoot and inspire each other and encourage people to get outside and encourage people not to be alone in the photography world because it can be very cutthroat and it can be how being around someone can benefit you. And we're trying to break that stigma of that if one does well, we all do well. And I think we're trying to create something that's different and that there's not a lot of. I know that when I started this, I felt very isolated and I was out alone by myself and it made me nervous. I was sitting at home and I kept watching YouTube videos and I kept getting frustrated. 
because having watching a video and actually having someone there hands on talking to you, walking you through it is something completely different. That is when I started talking to a few people that I had met on Instagram through posting pictures and being shared in groups. And we sat down and we said, what can we do to change this? How can we get people together and get people outside and show them how beautiful this part of the world is, but then also give people an outlet, different people, people of different religions, color, creed, whatever that may be. We just want people to be welcome and feel like they're part of something bigger and that they always have someone to rely on and to talk to and to learn from. As you just heard, Leslie's passion for landscape photography also grew into a passion to lead other photographers into community, a mindset that is unfortunately counterintuitive sometimes in our culture. Leslie has such a sweet spirit, and she wants to bring others along and build a positive community for photographers and explorers. They just see the result of the beautiful parts of what we get, that they don't see the seven mornings that we got up and it was foggy and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. They just saw the lucky 10 minutes that we got when the sun decided to come out or we had four inches of rain but it stopped raining just long enough to shoot that waterfall that was just suddenly all full of water. Leslie has logged hundreds of miles and hours searching for the perfect shot. As anyone who has dabbled in landscape photography can attest, it can be quite a grueling process. When you're dealing with the elements in remote places Oftentimes, beginning and ending your day in the dark to capture that perfect moment, you have to love the process. In the full episode, we learned that Leslie's commitment to her craft has led her to become a brand ambassador at Great Outdoor Provisions Company. She is the 2020 Grand Prize winner of Peering into Pisgah Photo Contest, the Blue Ridge Outdoors Magazine Photographer of 2020 and 2019. She's the admin at North Carolina Lovers on Facebook, And she's also the admin at Rome Outdoors and Appalachian Explorers on Instagram. Her work and photography group, Rome Outdoors, was actually featured on UNC TV's My Home, North Carolina, last month. One side note, Leslie and I met during the early days of the pandemic. Her work inspired me greatly, and I have learned of numerous places to visit and tips of landscape photography just from following her work. She has impacted so many people, and the community she has built continues to grow. My wife and I were out shooting the sunset on the Blue Ridge Parkway way back in the early spring, and I struck up a conversation with another photographer and then another. They both knew of Leslie's work, even though they had never met her. Leslie, whether you know it or not, you're impacting so many people. Keep it up, friend. Next up, episode 17, Creating Memories in Cozy Mountain Cabins with Mike and Kate Zabo. The first time I saw the view from Mike and Kate's first cabin, I was mesmerized. It is located within walking distance to historic downtown Chimney Rock, and the cabin is actually called Rock View Cabin because it is situated with an unobstructed view of Chimney Rock and the 400-foot Hickory Nut Falls. Like so many people who visit this area and fall in love with our mountains and towns, folks often dream of moving here one day. Mike and Kate's story is not much different. So it started really in 2012, and I'm a flight attendant. That's my day job. And I had a layover in Asheville and uh, was staying down in Biltmore Park, and REI was doing a big race set up there. And 
thought, well, this is a good way to get to know the area. So I signed up for the race and I did it. And I called Mike as soon as I was done. I said, this is such a great part of the country that we've never visited. We should, we should come up here. And he said, yeah, absolutely. When's your next vacation? And it happened to be October of 2012, which is one of the most beautiful times a year to be here in the mountains. And coming from Florida, where we were living, uh, we were in Fort Myers. We came up that October and we got to see fall and we fell in love. We rented a cabin just north of Asheville and the weather was perfect it was just it was picture perfect and we said i think on our second day of that visit we were already planning the next one for coming back the next year and we did we continued to come back and stay in different airbnbs around Asheville area um the first year i think we were just east in fairview first year was fairview second year was weaverville Weaverville and then Candler and we kind of just popped all around Asheville and and found all these beautiful little spots and we said gosh one day we should do this we should get a cabin and and that was our dream to do it and uh then in 2016 we said okay this is it we're we're coming up it started off once a year then it moved to twice a year then three times a year and we said this is it (laughs) we need to make this permanent so we came up looking for land and wanted to build a tiny home somewhere somewhere outside of Asheville. For the Zabos their rental cabin company cabinhost.org are extensions of themselves and don't feel like rental properties at all. They are well appointed deeply thought out and designed to help their guests feel right at home the moment they walk through the door. Mike is a handyman And he has actually made a lot of the pieces for the cabins. And I'm not just talking about going to Lowe's and buying some wood and making a bookshelf. I mean, we're talking live edge pieces, beautiful tables and end tables that look like they should be in rustic high-end stores like Bob Timberlake, for example. Heartfelt guest book entries are what motivate the Zabos and let them know they are definitely helping couples, friends, and families make memories through their rental company, cabinhost.org. I want you to come in and the first thing you do when you put your luggage down is just take a deep breath and relax and know everything has been thought of or is available to you um, that you can trust that we will have everything that you need. And we do like to communicate with our guests and if a special event is going on, let us know and if there's anything we can do to make it extra special because that's important. We, We really do want to create a comfortable well-equipped space we just had a guest point out uh, I forgot which one it was for but in the review um, he said a lot of rentals that he'd been to just fill it with appliances or just generic things but with us we've really tried to do quality products quality appliances uh, couches beds we get we get compliments on the beds all the time just Mm. how comfortable they are Uh, And we we do that intentionally. We want you to be very comfortable. Be sure to check out this full episode to hear more about their amazing cabins. If you're looking to travel to Chimney Rock or Lake Lure, there is so much to do in that area. Amazing hikes, waterfalls, mountain biking, the Hickory Nut Brewery, the Frocky Broad River, and delicious restaurants. Rental paddleboard or pontoon boat for the day, or spend your day lounging on the beach at Lake Lure, before retiring to your cabin to relax for the evening. 
Closing out the top five episodes is actually our most listened to episode in 2020. And that is episode 22, Blue Ridge Parkway, America's Favorite Scenic Drive, with Tubby Kubik, who's the executive director of the Blue Ridge Parkway Association. The Blue Ridge Parkway is affectionately known as America's Favorite Scenic Drive. It is 469 miles long and runs mostly along the spine of the Blue Ridge Mountains connecting Shenandoah National Park in Virginia and the Great Smoky Mountains National Park to the south. This iconic scenic byway passes through some of the oldest mountains in the world, the highest mountain peak in the eastern United States, which is Mount Mitchell, the oldest river in North America, the New River, the deepest gorge east of the Grand Canyon, and that's Limbo Gorge, and the highest waterfall east of the Rockies, which is Whitewater Falls. In this episode, I sit down with Tubby Kubik, Executive Director of the Blue Ridge Parkway Association, and we chat about the history of the parkway, the unique characteristics of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and resources to make your visit and exploration of the parkway and southern Appalachian towns as enjoyable as possible. The Scenic Highway has a very storied past, and I think I could have spent an entire day with Tubby learning about some of the history and interesting and little-known facts about the parkway. Like, for example, did you know that the parkway almost didn't come through North Carolina? Could you imagine North Carolina without the Blue Ridge Parkway? Yeah, me neither. Well, the parkway itself was started in 1935, and course uh it, it was done in a lot of sections uh they they had construction crews they were using it to uh help bring us out of the uh, great depression and they had worker camps all throughout uh the country doing these these projects like the parkway and uh, it continued on throughout uh it, it was established partly to bring people to work, but also to bring business to those more depressed areas like Western North Carolina. Um, some of those areas weren't even on the map back then, um, very depressed. And um, so the last part of it was built in uh, 1987, I think. And that's the uh, viaduct around Grandfather Mountain. And a lot of people are familiar with that. And the the man that owned the mountain, uh, he he didn't want them cutting into it, so they had to engineer that. And uh, people have come from all over the world to see that because it's it's an engineering marvel how you know it doesn't really you know they didn't have to blast and cut into the mountain. Uh, Hugh Morton was his name, and. Um, now, now, of course, Grandfather Mountain has been become a state park by North Carolina. Just amazing that, you know, it took that long to build. But it wasn't fully funded, you know, for a long time. You know, they had so much money and they ran out of money. And I think it was in the 70s that the Blue Ridge Parkway Association helped lobby Congress to to get the rest of the funding to finish up the parkway. The Blue Ridge Parkway Association, founded in 1949, was instrumental in procuring the funds to complete the parkway, but also served as the first marketing champion for the Blue Ridge Parkway itself, as well as the Appalachian towns just off the parkway. Back in 1949, uh, Gatlinburg, Roanoke, and Asheville 
And some of the major attractions like Obergatlinburg and Tweetsie Railroad, uh, Grandfather Mountain, Chimney Rock, Biltmore, they all came together and said, uh, we need something to advertise this. And back then, you didn't have the big tourism bureaus and stuff. So the Blue Ridge Parkway was founded in 1949 and started printing their uh the digest, um, which we still print today these years. So since 1949, the Blue Ridge Parkway Association has been advertising the parkway and the communities from the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee all the way up through the Shenandoah Valley. When I play the next clip, you can get a sense of why I could have spent the entire day talking with Tubby, learning about the colorful history of this famed highway. It Originally, uh, Shenandoah National Park, Skyline Drive, was supposed to actually connect for one continuous road, and it basically does, but there was a landowner at that time that kept those two parts from connecting, so that never happened. And then, of course, uh, down in Cherokee, it starts running into uh, number. I think it's 441, yeah. This is an interesting fact. At one point in time, it was supposed to continue all the way down to Georgia. And there was a big fight in the Senate between Tennessee and uh, North Carolina as to where the track was going to go, whether it was going to go touching North Carolina and then head through uh, Roan Mountain and some of the mountains in Tennessee or whether it was going to come through North Carolina. Uh, so North Carolina got the sweet end of the deal on it. Uh, it's always supposed to come through Virginia, but uh, there, there was quite a bit of lobbying between those two states as to where the parkway would uh, go through. Well, I, for one, am happy that North Carolina did get the sweet end of that deal, and I'm sure there are thousands of others who feel the same way. Just as with all of the top five episodes, I encourage you to check out the full episodes to learn more about all of these amazing people. Well, there you have it. The top five most listened to episodes in 2020, our first season, as well as the number one most listened to episode, episode 22, The Blue Ridge Parkway. Listen, I really want to thank you for taking the time to tune in each week and listen to this podcast. Your time is precious. And the fact that people would spend time each week listening to a guy just chasing his dream to bring awareness and attention to the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Appalachian Mountains special and unique is extremely humbling to me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. So with this episode, 2020 is a wrap. The first season is behind us and I'm already looking towards 2021 with some awesome content. Season two kicks off in mid-January, and I can't wait for those new episodes to drop. One last thing. This podcast isn't about me. It's about you, the listener, and our guests. I love to hear from you. Drop me an email at mike at explorationlocal.com and let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like, and share any ideas you would like me to pursue for future content. Well, friends, I look forward to seeing you again in 2021, and I wish you all safety, health, and happiness this holiday season and every season. Get outside and play. 
nature is waiting for you. And until we meet again, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local.